Our Bible reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, who he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So I've got to come clean. I have been spending, sorry David, way too much of my time this week considering and reflecting on the tragedy of the Roman god Parapas. It is amazing, the sad story of this god whose role was to protect people to help them with their crops, with their animals. This God who had his own issues in the God realm that was at Rome at the time where Aphrodite and one of her friends kicked him out for a while, but he was brought back because the Romans called for him during a plague, a time of real tragedy and despair. They called out to him to be their protector. And it seems, at least from what they say, he did show up. He did protect them because in turn to show their gratitude and their thankfulness and their honouring of this God who protected them from this, this plague, they got statues made and put them in their gardens because his role was to protect their gardens, to generate new life and their livestock and protect them as well. Over time, things started to change. Back in Rome, Parapas and his statue, his likeness, his image in the gardens had a place. It had a purpose. But over time, that was slowly forgotten. Over time, this statue became more and more obscure. When if you saw it these days, you wouldn't even know why it was there in the first place. You'd probably think, it's a bit odd. Even a little bit tacky. Parapas' likeness these days doesn't resemble at all who he was, what the purpose of this statue is supposed to be, where his likeness is placed, and why it was there in the first place. It seems confused, it seems lost. Lisa and I love watching Better Homes and Gardens, but you know what? I've never seen a garden home put in any of the landscaping projects they do on the show. The world has moved on from Parapas. And he's a bit odd and a bit tacky now. In our passage today, we see the great creator God creating his image and his representative in creation. The description of this image bearer just seems so familiar to us, but at the same time, is also becoming more and more foreign. Our world is walking away from it. It is forgetting what it means to be God's representative. And now we're left in a bit of a tension and a tricky situation 
where we feel a bit out of place, a bit odd. We don't know if we should really be here anymore and we feel a bit tacky. Are we destined now just to be a decoration among many that no one knows why people put them anywhere in the first place? After all, God once put us in his garden. Are we destined just to be a decoration in it? Or are we destined to be those who have dominion and point to God's glory that we were supposed to in the first place? When we think about where we fit in our, in our creation that we've been placed in, first we need to work out what is it exactly? Because there's two schools of thought, basically. Either we're in a creation or in some sort of mechanical system. A mechanical system that just coincidentally has all the right values and the numbers that add up to the fact that life can actually exist in this universe. But this universe, this mechanical system, is so indifferent to us. It's indifferent to all things. It doesn't really care whether you're living or dead. It shows no loyalty to whatsoever. And is destined to spread out further and further and further and to the ultimate cold death of the universe. That's one school of thought. But the other is actually we are in a creation. What I find helps me sort of understand what that means is to be in a part of a creation is I like to think of an artist and the artist's artwork. You see, when an artist paints something, there's usually a reason for painting something. There's a purpose behind every stroke. There's design placed into the artwork. And everything has a place and a purpose within it. Not only that, but even the very brush strokes of the artwork show the signature of the artist painting this beautiful picture. And I think the best exclamation for the universe that we find ourselves in is actually we are a part of this beautifully designed creation, this artwork that the creator God beautifully painted and created with just his words. But even if it is an artwork, where is it that we fit? Because if we don't know where we fit, we don't know what we're supposed to do and whatever we do isn't going to work no matter how hard we try so if we're part of this beautiful artwork, are we the warm colours? Are we the cold colours? Are we in the background? Or are we in the foreground? Or do we find ourselves as the subject of the artwork? We see in Genesis 1 this beautiful back and forth and this beautiful poetic uh, illustration of how God created things and where we fit in them. What we see is some similarities between us and the rest of creation and some real distinctions between us and the rest of creation. We find ourselves in the poetic rhythm of creation, part of the back and forth between two complementary things that have equal value but work together to create a whole, day and night, evening and morning, and men and women. We also find ourselves, just as the rest of creation, to be blessed, also tasked with the role of multiplying. What we find different in ourselves to the rest of creation is we're not just good. All of creation is called good, but we are called very good. We have been created in God's own likeness and image. We are created above the rest of creation. The way Genesis 1 plays out, we see layers of the hierarchy of creation. We see the foundations of it. The stars, the sky, the earth, and the water. And above that is the vegeta vegetation. And above that are the animals. 
Above the animals is us, and further below us is the heavenly realms. In the book of Hebrews, the writer points out that humanity is blessed. Is it the right one? Yes. That humanity is blessed, and we find ourselves, that God has placed us in such a great spot that uh, we are made lower than the angels, crowned with glory. And God left nothing that is not subject to us. This is the biblical account. This is God's account, God's creation of who we are, where we fit in. But how do we get from this to the very modern understanding of the world around us that we most likely see today in the culture around us? This modern understanding where we're just one of many animals. And we just got lucky enough to be a little bit smarter or have a few things better for us that we got higher than the others. We built things. We created a, a civilization, a society. But if we rewind the clock backwards and start it again, well, any other animal could have risen to that point as well. In this modern concept of where we fit into things, there is no purpose or real true distinctive place, and there's no real destin destiny for us as humans either. But how do we get to this? How did we get from Genesis 1 and our understanding to the way the world sees it today? There are many other thinkers that contribute to this, but mostly it comes down to Charles Darwin. He took his theory of evolution, survival of the fittest, and his theory was originally just for the animals and the plants around us. But then he took that theory and in his second book, The Descent of Man, applied it to humans. He took something that most people were pretty much on board with and applied it to humanity, and in doing so, removed the need for the divine creator, the divine architect. He removed the concept of the transcendence and the purpose that lies within humanity. Humanity, in this worldview, is just causing chaos around it. We have reached beyond our place in this, in this order. We were supposed to be humble, but we're reaching too far beyond ourselves and we're creating a mess around us. We are oppressing all those things around us. We are overpopulating the world around us. We are causing trouble in our wake. So what is their solution for this way of seeing the world? What is the solution to, do, to solving this? Well, the solution is quite simple. We need to go back. We need to go back to the times when we were hunter and gatherers, where we made sense. We didn't have this beyond our reaching impact on the world around us. We need to submit to nature instead of having the nature submit to us. And we need to bring back our population numbers. Lisa and I... We've gotten a little bit obsessed with a show called Alone. Has anybody seen the show Alone? I think it's on Binge at the moment. I think SBS as well. It is captivating. I didn't, we didn't think we'd get into it, but it's one of those survival shows. Not like Survivor, it's a bit different. There's 12 people each season are picked. The, the top of the top. You need to prove you have survival skills above most people to get into this show. And these people have a bit of a mixture of their ways of seeing things and the sort of ways of worldview behind the way they see the world. There are very encouragingly some Christians that become a part of this show, but there's also some people who are very much 
uh, see themselves as this idea of being a part of the environment around them. In fact, maybe even nature is above them. They go out, 12 of them, spread out into some incredibly hostile environments. They're only allowed 10 items with them. And the whole thing is, whoever survives the longest wins. And they get so introspective about their place in the world. They think about all the things they love as they're starving and trying to find food at every turn, but failing time and time again. And they question where they fit into things. But they still maintain this idea that maybe if they just submitted to nature, maybe if they got back to the way things were supposed to be, things would work out for them. That is until they tap out, the boat comes, and they go back to their modern living when they finally cannot do it anymore. But they truly believe that we just need to go back and fit into the humble place we once had where we once submitted to nature. But if this is true, then what value do we have differently to any other part of nature? The Australian atheist philosopher Peter Singer makes this point that perhaps even in the future, surely there will be some non-human animals whose lives, by any standards, are more valuable than the lives of some humans. A lot in that. One, apparently, animals, other parts of creation, can weave themselves between the value of us and the rest of it. But not only that, he does, there's some distinction with him where some humans are more valuable than others. It's frightening. If we forget our place, we forget our value. We forget that we're very good. We are God's representatives. We're created in his image. And we've been charged to have dominion over creation. What we do, though, our purpose in this creation that we find ourselves, is really hard to determine these days. If you were to look around, you would probably pick up the fact that our main role and purpose in life is to be happy and not to do any harm. Being happy is what brings us pleasure for us today because it leads to our most authentic self. And of course, we don't want to do harm because if you harm people, you stop people from finding happiness and pleasure and therefore reaching their most authentic self. So how are we doing at being happy as a society? Well, apparently, not great. Uh, the stats are in, and we have actually decreased as a nation in our happiness by 5%. 80% of people in Australia in 2021 would say that they were happy. Now, so 85 then, now it's only 80%. It's small, but it's a shift downwards. Not to mention the fact that apparently Australia has gone down the ranks. Not long ago, we were number two of the most happiest nations in the world, and now we find ourselves at number 12. A recent American study has found that women have found themselves at a declining level of happiness ever since the 1970s. The study that sort of looked over Australia, the guy that was writing it put a really interesting point that kind of picks up that even despite the fact that people aren't saying themselves as happy and we're looking for other things, picks up on some true things of what actually makes us happy. The survey finds that people are most likely to say they're happy when they are satisfied that they have li their life ha is meaningful, and if they feel in control of their life, if they feel valued, and or if they are satisfied with their mental and material well-being. 
In other words, we feel most happy and satisfied and fulfilled when we know our role and when we know our purpose. So what should we do? If it's not working for us in this modern world where we chase romance and money and all sorts of things to bring us happiness, what is it that we should be looking for? In Genesis 1, it says that God blessed humanity and said to them to be fruitful and multiply, to to fill the earth and subdue it. But as we forget where we fit in and don't do what we're supposed to do, we work against our purpose. We cause chaos instead of order. Part of our purpose is to multiply. Now, when you think about that, that is a very chaotic space to think about because these days, relationships between men and women are really strained. Our roles are confused and switched around and devalued. Couples are choosing more and more to live what's called a child-free life. Hookup culture has has left men with a feeling it is okay to indulge in their most basic instinct while treating women as meat and being convinced that that is actually a good thing for them. There's a picture of a podcast there. It's called The Whatever Podcast. I'm not recommending it, but it is fascinating. This guy, I think a couple of times a week, gets a group of college girls and some other speakers together, and they discuss the current dating culture, the current hookup culture, where there is no real ties. You come to each other for what you need and to be satisfied, and that's about it. And there's this interesting conflict within these women where they feel like they're empowered by this part of life while at the same time feeling completely devalued and lost within it. They feel trapped within this hookup culture that has manifested itself. Not to mention the fact that dating apps these days are set up in such a way that only the top men are ever selected on these dating apps. Therefore, the more average men are being left behind. They don't find matches on these apps. They're left to retreat to video games and pornography. We have been shaped by Sigmund Freud, who he said that the goal of humanity is to be happy and to be happy is to be grounded in sexuality, which is the key to living the good life. He has shaped the human myth that sex in terms of sexual desire and fulfillment is the real key to human existence. It's what it actually means to be human. We are now left in a culture that is over-pleasured and under-satisfied. Why? It's because our sexuality has become now our expression of what it means to be a person. It is now our personhood. But our our pleasure and seek for pleasure is not kingdom building. There's also a sense of we're called not to do any harm. But to not do any harm is to almost sit idle and not do anything at all. It's just inaction. We were created to not stand idle, but to build, to order the creation around us, to rule over it. We were were given the purpose to contribute to the creation around us. All that I'm talking about 
is very much captured in the idea of being in the image of God. We were created to represent him for the purpose of playing our role in creation, to bring order and to build the kingdom. Think about this. All of creation is God's cosmic temple. And just like any temple, God needs to place a statue in it that points to him. We, as God's image, are the statue placed in God's cosmic temple. We are the ones that are supposed to reflect God. We are the ones that point to God and show his love and kindness and power and grace. Humanity was made in the image of God, and we are supposed to point to him. But these days, we have become much more like the garden gnomes, unfortunately. Just like garden gnomes today, we just lost our place and purpose in creation. We don't just want to just stand there like a garden gnome. We don't want to be guessing our place in life, looking tacky. We don't want to be confused about our place and purpose. And we certainly don't want to work against God's order by creating chaos in what we do. It was Jesus that showed us what it looks like to be the perfect image of God. After all, he said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He showed us that actually to be the image of God, we need to be holy. We need to submit to God's will, bring order to chaos. And we are also destined for eternity with God. Jesus invites us to find our place and purpose in him, which brings true joy and satisfaction. After all, he said, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. We are created to do good, to maintain creation, not to put creation above us. We need to play our role in creation. Having children is good, even though the world is telling us more and more that it is actually an enslavement. For those people among us who struggle to have children, this is a deep, sad struggle. It is because it seems against that deep instinct and desire that we have as God's image bearers. And it is a tragedy. But it does not make you less before God. It doesn't make you less of an image bearer before God. And there is a deep, big difference between can't and won't. So what do we do? What sort of things should we be doing in our roles? Well, we should be doing things like jobs and hobbies that in some way contribute to the building of the kingdom. There's some weird stuff out there. I don't know if you've seen anyone actually taking photos for Instagram. Lisa and I saw this the other day in Kiama. People posing over the water for Instagram photos. They look good when they're still, but the lead up to it, I think, what are you doing? Another new trend that's coming out on TikTok which I think the 6pm congregation would understand much better, is people are acting, recording themselves and acting as non-playable characters. These are characters in the game that when you walk up to them and click on them, they just say this script that's already programmed into them. People are spending their time making money, pretending that they have no existence or soul, that they're pre-programmed people, and this is apparently brings joy somehow. I only just discovered this. I haven't got my head around it, but man, it's fascinating. 
We need to ask ourselves, is what we're doing in our lives bringing God glory? Is it building the kingdom? Because the garden gnomes are a warning to us that as we forget and lose our place and purpose, we are at best odd statues lost in the garden that no one knows why it was placed here in the first place. But at worst, we're actually working against God and his purpose for us. We're bringing chaos when we should be bringing order. But you have a place. You have a purpose. Embrace it. Be fulfilled by it. And when you do, you will find joy, true joy in it. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have made us in your image. You've placed us in your creation with a purpose and a role. Lord, we do feel that at at times we are at odds with that. We don't understand where we fit. We get tricked by the lies and we let the world tell us who we are instead of you. But we pray that we find fulfillment in being your image bearers, that we seek to do it better. But most of all, we thank you so much that we find our very being in your Son. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.